Welcome to Real Estate Coaching Radio, starring award-winning real estate coaches and number one international best-selling authors, Tim and Julie Harris. This is the number one daily radio show for realtors looking for a no BS, authentic, real-time coaching experience. What's really working in today's market, how to generate more leads, make more money, and have more time for what you love in your life. And now your hosts, Tim and Julie Harris. Three, two, one, and we're back. And Julie Harris, it is May the 5th. And I really like this topic you've chosen for all of them. Yes, me too. And, you know, I like, well, let's give them the topic first. 17 Laws of Success for, I added, for real estate. This is from Napoleon Hill, who is, of course, known for Think and Grow Rich as, you know, the book that we all refer to. And we certainly have ways of getting that into their hands. We'll talk about it in a second. But here's the thing with Napoleon Hill. He's really well known. He's a great success author. Everybody goes to him for uh, business mentoring. You, you, my love, are making a lot of assumptions. Well, that's true. Maybe they don't know who he is. Yes, that's true. And so, guys, listen, Napoleon Hill, you should read his, uh, the history of this guy. But it's very fascinating. And essentially what he did long before it was popular or trendy is uh, he was hired by, uh, was it Rockefeller? No, it wasn't Rockefeller. It was one of the other great titans of industry to essentially, um, you know, he was a uh, – an author, a, uh, a writer, uh, you know, maybe even a journalist. And he was hired by this particular... Was it uh, Carnegie? Carnegie. It was yeah. Carnegie. Very good. Andrew Carnegie, who made all of his money in railroads, if I remember correctly, hired Napoleon Hill to go out and study all of the other... Because remember, this, is, this was a time in history when there was mega wealth being created because, in essence, it was the Industrial Revolution. And all these people who had never been... Uh, there had never been that much wealth created at that extreme level um, until, frankly, present times, right? And mm-hmm. if you guys have ever been to some of these houses uh, around the country, and they're also, you know, in various countries as well, you're going to see some of the most magnificent, um, really, palaces that you've ever uh, seen before. Like one of the our favorite that we used to go to all the time is down in, um, where was it, Julie? Uh, and it is in North Carolina. North Carolina, yeah. yeah. And what was it? Biltmore. Asheville, North Carolina. Asheville, yeah, and Biltmore. Yes, and you guys should visit these historic, significant homes because right. they're really interesting architecturally, historically, from a success standpoint. I mean, who are these people who Sam, built these houses? Sam Sinian out in California. Yes, that's another good one. Which is, these are magnificent. Again, they're great places to go when you're planning your summer vacations if you want to just, you know, stop by. They're all pretty much national parks, so I think Biltmore is not. It's still actually owned by the Biltmore family, yeah. Uh, but anyway, long story short, is there was incredible amounts of wealth that was made during the Industrial Revolution. And by the way, we're in another one of these revolutions now, which we'll touch about, touch upon here and there throughout today's show and through the rest of this series. And this is the reason we're presenting this information to you, because we want you to realize you're living in what's going to be remembered as a golden era, despite all the nasty headlines that you're hearing on the news. This is going to be historically one of the greatest wealth creation times of uh, humanity. Right now, what you're living in the middle of, um, and we're going to, again, we're going to reinforce these uh, points that Napoleon wrote back in the 20s and the 30s, and we're going to be reinforcing these with present-day facts as we go through this series of podcasts. And we have enjoyed, uh, or Julie uh, put this together, and I enjoyed thinking about how to present this to you guys. So I think this will be a lot of fun for everyone. Um, but back to the point with regards to um, really Napoleon Hill and all the rest of it. So he was hired by Andrew Carnegie to go out and study all of these industry magnets and basically write and determine what commonalities these folks all had amongst each other. And now this was way before any of the modern mindset stuff, way before the secret, way before all this other stuff. 
So if you're going to look to see where what the genesis was of the formation of the modern mindset movement, in essence, it all starts really with Napoleon Hill's book. And there are other people that were his contemporaries. Wallace Waddles was one, and there are some others. But if you go back, and I'll tell you, because Julie and I really studied this. Actually, we are going to write a big section, Harris Rules, our book, specifically about what we're sharing with you now, but the uh, publisher wouldn't, didn't want us to because <laughs> they thought it was too ahead of our skis with regards to, a, you know, essentially the subject being not in alignment enough with the book. And, and they were right, of course. But if you were to research all of the findings that Napoleon Hill had in Think and Grow Rich, a lot of them were rooted back into scripture. Uh, Old Testament specifically. So th this stuff is fascinating for a whole multitude of, of reasons. But I think it's really important that when you're really trying to get at the heart of mindset and what, you know, how someone thinks and the power of thought and all these types of things, you go back to the original source. You don't go back to the source. Uh, you don't, you know, try to avoid the modern interpretations because there's so much politicization that's added in, so much added fluffery mm -hmm. that you can't really get to the heart of the message. It's not very drilled down. But what we're going to be sharing with you today is a real estate version of the 17 laws of success. And we're going to be going through all 17 laws. And if you're wondering, now, this is, is this part of uh, Think and Grow Rich? No. Nope. I didn't think so. So we do want to give you the... It's, it's lesser known cousin. Right. So this is a great book. You guys should get the 17 laws of success. Oh, and I'm going to throw in there too. So the book that we re refer to a lot on this podcast is Think and Grow Rich. Uh, but it's because we give that to you when you download uh, the real estate treasure map. We also give you the public domain version of Think and Grow Rich for free, but it's the real estate. We've added a lot of real estate content. If you want both of those books, again, did you hear the keyword here? Free. All you've got to do is text 2021 to 47372. Text 2021 to 47372. And when you do, you're going to get text back a link and the link is going to then enable you to download those books for free. You can do that now or you're listening to us on your iPhone or your, you know, your Android device. Just go ahead and go to your SMS section and click uh, and then uh, text in 2021 and text it to 47372. That's all it takes. Just text 2021 to 47372 and we'll text you back a link to download those two books. And Think and Grow Rich is a really great uh, fundamental book that all of you should have on your bookshelves because, again, it cuts through a lot of the you know malarkey and malaise that's out there in the marketplace right now. That was a lot of M's. It was. That's called alliteration. Oh, I'm a, I'm alliterating. I didn't <laughs> mean I didn't mean to do that. <laughs> which is different than illiterate. <laughs> which is also different. Or diff illiterate. Yeah. Which is different than I normally do, which is called babbling. Yeah. So so this is this part here in our notes is the actual principle, and then the the bullet points are are uh, contributions. Contributions. Okay, okay. Copy. So and we're not going to do all seven. <clears throat> excuse me. I'm not going to do all seventeen today. So oh come on, worry. Julie. Let's do it. It's a marathon. <laughs> well, you're on your own. <laughs> let's make this a four-hour <laughs> podcast. Really? We're going to beat Joe Rogan's record of three hours. We should try that someday. No, but, you should try uh, it. Maybe not. You and Zoe. We'll get Zoe to do it solo. <laughs> she could do it too. She is. She could do it. She does. Okay, she can so talk faster first, than me. Yes. Uh, so we're only going to do three today, so that we are not fire hosing you. Principle of success number one. This is called developing definiteness of purpose. Here's the principle. The lack of a major purpose, plan, or goal causes people to fail and get lost in their life journey. Definiteness of purpose constitutes the starting point of all worthy achievement. Okay. I love, love how succinct he is with that. Exactly. Now let's take a modern interpretation of it and how you guys then will understand mm -hmm. how the modern interpretations are covered with a bunch of opaque malarkey. Mm -hmm. um, is that more... 
Yes, you're okay. good. All right, good. All right, so uh, they'll say, you have to discover your big why, okay? That's taking what Follow Napole- your passion. Follow your passion. That's taking what Napoleon Hill said and bastardizing Don't it. Don't lose your balance. Exactly. So no. you guys see how it all gets messy when you take the original work and you then start trying to add some sort of modern uh, spin on it? Go back to the core content. You're going to be able to, again, as Julie said, it cuts all the way through the BS. The lack of major purpose, a plan, or goal causes people to fail and get lost in their life journey. Definiteness of uh, purpose constitutes the starting point of all worthy achievement. Yes. So how do you create? I mean, the point is developing definiteness of purpose. Well, how do you go about that? One of the reasons I want to do this series on Napoleon Hill is to kind of translate for them. What do you do with these points that were written in the 20s? So how do you develop that definiteness of purpose? Number one, understand your financial requirements. What's it take to pay for your current lifestyle versus the lifestyle of your dreams? And in um, all the books that we give them or, you know, recommend, it comes down to this. Usually you can use the three times rule. The three times rule goes like this. If it takes you about 5,000 a month to live on, because most of you have other contributing factors and, you know, generally we find this to be true. Let's say it's 5,000 to live on. That's to keep the lights on, pay your basic bills then usually three times that moves the needle significantly for you. It's not a hundred times, okay? It's really just about three times plus the consistency of earning at that level. But you've got to start somewhere. Some of you guys listening don't really know your true financial requirements. You can guesstimate. You can kind of do that, but that's part of what the real estate treasure map helps you do. It's called my financial picture. So goals in five areas of life. We, We got two pieces that we give you in the real estate treasure map. One is helping you to honest to God, figure out what it costs to run you literally down to the day. You can figure out how much it costs you per day just to keep the lights on. And then, all right, so that's a number. Then the treasure map gets you to do goals in five areas of life. How will your life change when you are earning at that higher level? And then you add those two together, you divide by your average net commission, and it tells you for you how many deals you've got to do per year, per month. And Tim, I got to say, most of the time, it's less than they think. Well, I was thinking as you were reading that with inflation like it is, I mean, you and I just read something else. Well, inflation's, you know, guys, we're about to enter into a time of, uh, (laughs) I'm going to take a sidestep here. So we're doing we're doing a clubhouse probably about a month ago, and we're talking about inflation. And I was I'd done a little bit of research on essentially uh, proving out that inflation was already in the marketplace and things were, you know, manufacturers do all kinds of different things to hide inflation. Don't worry, I'm not going to get too ahead of my skis here. But they'll they'll essentially they for example food manufacturers which is where you're starting to see real inflation is the cost of food. And what manufacturers will do so they don't have to dramatically increase prices is they actually change the product they're selling without telling you. They'll make the portions smaller. They'll make the boxes. Mm-hmm smaller. Those are the obvious things. But the other thing you're starting to see is they're actually changing the ingredients to basically not use real, you know, sugar, for example, you know, real chocolate guys. I don't know if you know this, but chocolate hasn't been real chocolate for ages. It actually made it so that I think it was probably about 10 years ago. Mm -hmm. um, They could uh, start, stop using the actual ingredients that it took to make real chocolate and use substitute ingredient, synthetic stuff stuff or man-made like corn syrups. Yeah. Yeah, With a few exceptions, but the, Expensive co- ones. the cost difference between real chocolate and this sort of mass produced chocolate is, you know, you can tell. You're going to go like, why the hell yeah. is this so expensive? Well, read the ingredients and you'll see that one's fake and the other's not. And the fake is cheaper, right? Makes sense. Mm-hmm. 
But what you're starting to see is you're starting to see inflation sneak into everything. And we read something else. We shared this with you guys yesterday. And again, this is all trans, it's all making its way into future podcasts. But year over year, increases in real estate prices. It's, 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 I, okay, this is not a made up number. Um, we checked this a bunch of different sources. 17.2%. 17.2%. It was April of 2020 versus April 2021. That's how much national real estate prices have increased. Adjust accordingly to your market. That is extraordinary. Which also, by the way, adjust accordingly to your income because you just got a 17.2% raise. <laughs> Assuming you're selling anything. Assuming you're, you're selling anything. But that is an important thing because in a normal job, you wouldn't go asking your employer to give you a 17.2% raise. Mm -hmm. So that's one of the many blessings of real estate. But back, back to the five, uh, $5,000 thing, most likely when you do the real estate treasure map, that's one of the exercises we have you go through. It's figuring out exactly what your, uh, you know, your monthly cost of living is, which you mostly think you know, but you'd be surprised when you actually got into the meat and potatoes of looking at the actual bills. Um, what it was, and I'm not, and Julie already said it, oftentimes people think they have to earn more to cover all their bills than they actually do. It's very rarely does someone get surprised on the upside. It's usually on the downside. Or did I say that the backwards? I'm not sure. But I bet you in most cases, the average nut for most people listening, Julie, is no longer five grand. It's more like 7,500. Probably. For the reasons of inflation. If other you actually count your Amazon bill, for example. Yeah, exactly. During COVID especially. Well, you know, and then you're going to factor in rising taxes yeah. and your rising property sure. taxes. I mean, you're going to get into some real increases. But like Julie said, fortunately, you're in a business that's already leading with a raise, right? Mm -hmm. So your true cost of living hasn't really uh, been dramatically affected by inflation. But your paycheck, if assuming you're transactional, has been dramatically affected because you've gotten a 17% increase in your commissions, roughly speaking, the versus uh, last year. So that's a good thing. Congratulations for choosing to be in a smart business during a inflationary time Indeed. is the takeaway. Okay, so here's the, the last little bullet point that goes with that principle. Do your daily actions reflect your definiteness of purpose? And be honest about that. Part of what the treasure map does is it helps you create and follow your ideal schedule. What's an ideal schedule? A schedule that reflects your definiteness of purpose. So in other words, if you state that in order for you to have a significant lifestyle change, you need to be earning 15,000 per month and you're averaging about a third of that, that your definiteness for the purpose is to get to that 15,000 a month consistently, are your daily actions showing that? Because if not, you're kind of out of alignment with that and you're either not that serious about your definiteness of purpose or you lack the skill set to get there, which we can help you with, of course. Yeah. And by the way, uh, your daily uh, action plan or what the thing, generally speaking, most people are going to have fantastic days if they just successfully do only three to five things a day. And we will help you work through what those three to five things are. That's really, you know, the drill down is as far as real estate goes, your, you know, your minimum standards should be generating, a, you know, try to generate a set one listing appointment per day. I know that's a long mentally, that's a big exercise for some of you, but this is where we work on you. This is the reason you sign co up for coaching is we uh, work with you to get to the point where you can consistently do that. So ideally we want you to proactively lead generate to the point where you're setting one pre-qualified listing appointment per day on the work side of things. And then on, you know, the obvious end result is going to be, you're going to start taking um, at least one listing a day. I know, again, that seems like an extraordinary amount of work to get to that, uh, that amount of production. And I'm not saying it's easy. 
And I'm not saying it'll happen when you just snap your fingers. And I'm not saying you're not going to have to basically do what you don't want to do when you don't want to do it at the highest level. But let's be honest. If you start with the expectation you're going to set five pre-qualified listing appointments a week and you only set two, that's still not a crappy business for most of you, is yeah, it? Yeah, and if you take one per week, that's still pretty awesome. Exactly. But it's the mindset of doing it daily that allows you to get to that production level. It's the mindset of having that be your clear, your true work definiteness of purpose. purpose. Your definiteness of purpose and work is to you know proactively lead generate with the goal of setting one pre-qualified listing appointment per day that's it in work that's it not all this other one go one take leather rinse repeat exactly if that's (laughs) all you ever if all you ever get good at in real estate is proactive lead generation uh you know pre-qualifying presenting um and then arguably negotiating you're going to have a fantastic real estate business you can be terrible at everything else because it's easily delegatable and you can just skip all the rest of it because you didn't Mm -hmm. need to do it in the first place and yes social networking i'm talking about you indeed okay principle of success number two creating a mastermind alliance Success and achievement comes with the collective collaboration of two or more minds working together in perfect harmony towards the attainment of a common goal. That's creating a mastermind alliance. And some of you guys might be surprised. It's not exactly what you think necessarily. So there's three little points that go with this. Number one, who you surround yourself with does matter. Who are you getting advice from? Who are you masterminding with? Okay, so ask yourself that. You might be doing that by default by just asking questions of people who aren't necessarily qualified to answer you. Maybe even, I mean, sometimes sometimes it's even their office manager who's never really sold before, who's just kind of giving them something to do. Maybe they're not qualified to be, quote, coaching you. Well, in our world, that really is where, we, you know, that's we drill down on. Look, guys, we give you five rules when deciding who you're going to hire to listen to or who you're going to hire as your coach, let alone take advice from. Rule number one is, did they sell real estate before? If they didn't, then do not proceed, right? Eject, eject. Okay, if they did sell real estate, did they sell uh, uh, at least 100 homes for one year? If they did, uh, then move forward to question three. If not, eject. And question three is, did they sell um, at least 100 homes a year for at least five years in a row? If they did, move to question four. If not, eject. The reason we're having you set this bar really high is you have to be incredibly selective who you listen to. Otherwise, you could be gathering information from somebody who has no right to call themselves a coach, let alone a real estate coach. And question four, which in our opinion is the most important one, just because someone is successful at selling real estate, just because they're successful at selling real estate for over five years does not mean that they actually know how to teach someone else to do it. So the last question is frankly the filter that knocks all of our competitors out. Did they actually, have they actually performed 10,000 at least 10,000 paid coaching calls because what a lot of people will do is they'll try to basically you know cover up the fact that they are not real coaches and so they'll start obfuscating the questions they'll say well i've presented in front of audiences or i've presented in front of presenting rooms, is not or i've done a zoom or i've done a webinar or a blah 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 no Coaching, the difference between coaching and training, the difference between teaching and coaching are profound. Number one, you're just basically, if you're a teacher, you're just sort of presenting information to a group of people versus a coach who's like hiring a one-on-one tutor who's going to specifically cater to the delivery of information, of the information to your specific learning style, but most importantly, your uh, specific uh, where you are on the, you know, frankly, your aptitude with regards to the content. They're not just going to assume you're going to uh, pace it what everyone else did. I'll never right, plus the accountability. Right. I remember when I was in uh, in school, high school mm-hmm. specifically. Sure. And I remember that I was in these, you know, some of these classes with really, really, you know, really, really ridiculously smart kids, kids mm-hmm. that were headed off to be rocket scientists and what. <laughs> 
And so the key, yeah. the teacher was teaching. They weren't really paying attention. They, and they were, so were, they were. We're teaching everybody the same. Right. They're teaching everyone the same. You're all on chapter three. Right. That's and it. here I am trying to understand these, you know, mathematical concepts. And these guys that, you know, at the front of the, they already basically, you know, they had their slide rules out and everything. And they could. <laughs> and so the teacher wasn't, they were just disseminating the information, whether you could keep up or not. And all of you guys have been in that. That's the difference between teaching and coaching. Whereas when I asked for help, I would go up to the teacher afterwards, we'd set aside time, and then they would pace the delivery of information on my ability to absorb it and understand it before they went on to the next point. That's the difference between teaching and that's the difference between coaching. Mm -hmm. There's nobody else in the industry that I'm aware of, maybe one or two other people that have coached agents at our level. And that includes- Most of them work for us. Yeah, frankly. I mean, the coaches that basically are experienced at coaching are the folks that have worked for us. You know, coach the coaching industry, guys, is uh, very difficult to uh, – it's not an easy business. It's way easier to be a successful real estate agent than it is to do what we do. You can coach somebody. You can maybe even learn to be a good coach, but building an everlasting – um, evergreen coaching business, that's completely different uh, can of worms. And that's one of the reasons I'm saying was when you're choosing who you're going to listen to, you've got to choose somebody that's not just a rung or two higher on the ladder than you. You've got to choose somebody that basically is climbing a completely different ladder than you are. That way you have, there's lots of runway for you to learn from that person as you progress in life and in your business. That's right. And so Napoleon is talking about creating a mastermind alliance. If you are not taking action to create the mastermind alliance that makes sense for you, you know, being coached and trained and mastermind with people who have your best interests in heart and not just, you know, reading from a playbook, then you're using your default mastermind alliance, which is who you happen to run into and who you happen to ask questions of or some survey on Facebook that you took. That's your default mastermind. Everybody's got one, whether they realize it or not. And all of you in Premier Coaching, we are going to be actually, we're retooling our coaching offerings. We're going to offer fewer programs, but we're increasing the value of each program. So if you're in Premier Coaching, uh, we are going to be including, or we are, I'm sorry, going to be offering a program soon where you can actually be put into a mastermind with three other agents of similar production and hopefully similar goals. And then you're going to have a weekly coaching session with those four people. The reason that's beneficial to you is not only you're going to get the coaching session, but you're also going to get, in addition to that, the benefit of being uh, put into a mastermind of people that are working towards similar goals so you can have built-in accountability. And then the weekly call, obviously, is going to be geared towards accountability. So stay tuned, Premier Coaching Clients. That new program is going to be offered to you first before we offer it to the general public. Indeed. So the last part is to remind you to follow a media-free life, ideally, or at least media-free mornings, so that you're controlling that mastermind alliance. What are you putting in your head? And we've done entire podcasts dedicated to that, so I won't hover too long on that. Well, it is worth mentioning, though. There's never been a time in my life, in Julie's life, uh, where being media-free has been so important (laughs) because it's actually, you know, uh, been tried, convicted, and basically headed for the, you know, gallows. The media, you know, major media is nothing but... um, it's, it's BS. You guys know it. There's so rarely any real information that's being passed along that you would be cons- that could be considered anything other than politicized or with an agenda. Opinionated, entertainment, salacious. It's not like, you know, I remember, well, we're going to sound really old now, but like Walter Cronkite, who used to actually well, tech, report we, the we, news. But we were right. really young kids when Walter we Cronkite was We were super young. Out. That was like what you watched at dinner with your parents, Yeah, right? but Walter Cronkite did just report the news. He, and he had no opinion about it. It was, this is what happened today. That's right. And he would say that. Yes. And then Dan Rather came around. Yes. And when Dan Rather started on CBS, he was mm-hmm. similar. And, you know, this is back when you and I were single digit kids. Yeah. Maybe, you know, Maybe 10. But yeah. yeah. Well, then Dan Rather came around. He was uh, started out 
emulating but uh, mm-hmm. you know, Walter Cronkite. But then the media industry in a whole started to become more overtly mm-hmm. biased. And then Dan Rather basically yeah. fall, fell into sort of uh, politicizing what he was disseminating mm-hmm. to the point where he actually wrote, I don't know if you remember this, mm-hmm. but he ended up having to resign from CBS News because he was uh, producing a 60 minute story and the information that he was uh, that he included in the story was falsified information to make, if I remember correctly, George W. Bush look particularly bad. Yes, and that, that was a slippery but, slope, but, but here, 9-11 made it worse and all this stuff. But think about that. Yeah. So Dan Rather quit over misinformation in one of his yeah. news articles. Mm-hmm. And now Nowadays, news articles constantly are filled with news, constantly. and nobody's getting fired or quitting. No, you can tell when you read them because it'll say, a source reported. Yeah. That could be totally made up, 100%. I, I mean, Dan Rather fell on his sword saying yeah. somebody who worked for me reported, showed, and it was one, I remember, it was one document on a 60-minute story that was completely falsified BS, and he wasn't fired. Maybe he was asked to quit, but he resigned. Mm-hmm. He said, this shouldn't have happened on my watch. This wasn't an honorable thing to have happen, and he quit. Yeah. And, and again, I, I'm going to go back. I'm going to repeat what I just said because it's really fascinating. And nowadays, the media constantly is uh, providing, uh, essentially reporting on uh, falsified information. When it's proven to be falsified information, they never go back and admit no. it. No, they don't. And very, so you, Very rarely. And it doesn't even matter what side of the aisle you're on. It yeah. happens everywhere. Anything that's media is like that. So, you know, by listening to that, especially in the morning when you're more susceptible to everything and you're supposed to be highly motivated. Well, and the evening, right? And, that's and when the evening people when you're getting ready to go to sleep. But, but isn't that funny? That's yeah. the cycle that we're all institutionalized mm-hmm. because we want to, you know, the, the system wants us to bookend our lives with the bullshit, mm-hmm. right? So we start up in the morning and everyone thinks they're supposed to watch the news. Get they, caught up. They end the evening. What are they supposed to do? Get caught up on the news. But what we're, you're, what's really happening is you've been indoctrinated to stay indoctrinated. You've been indoctrinated to be constantly reminded that, uh, you know, essentially the world is out to get you. Fear, fear, fear. Well, what if all of that is completely wrong? What if we're actually living in one of the best times ever to be alive? What if this is, you know, basically peak human so far right now on planet Earth? Despite what you might believe or what people are trying to sell you about, you know, this and that and the other things that are in the current uh, political zeitgeist. What if all of that stuff is just manufactured to try to sow uh, discontent amongst all of us? Because if we all were to sort of wake up and realize how blessed and lucky we all are, none of those me- media channels that are dependent on, or politicians for that matter, who are dependent on all this salacious garbage to constantly try to seize your attention, they would become irrelevant. What if that's the truth? It's They're starting to become irrelevant. I don't know if you've looked at any of the stats on how the numbers for all of that is plummeting. Yeah, so that's good. good. That's good news. That's how it should go. So practice a media-free life, ideally, at least media-free morning and evening, so that you can surround yourself with the right kind of masterminding. Okay, principle of success number three. This is our third one, and we will wrap after this. Okay, using applied faith. Faith is a state of mind. The awareness that our goals, desires, plans, and purposes will materialize through our actions in the physical realm. That's such a great sentence. Awesome. I, I just love his writing. I mean, e- even though, you know, some of it's a little hard because it's older. Well, but why do you like it? I mean, uh, Because break it's that so clear. Up. Okay, so let's do this again. Because they're not yeah. trying to make it sound spiritual. That's right. And yet he's using the word faith. And, I know. And that, that's okay. So, yeah, but he's not know. using words like attract in the universe oh, and all this, yeah. and all this, you know, sort of. Mumbo jumbo. Yeah, mental masturbatory garbage, yeah. right? He's so, not obfuscating his point. Exactly. Okay, so using applied faith. Faith is a state of mind. The awareness that our goals, desires, plans, and purposes will materialize through our actions. I like it for that reason, too. Mm -hmm. In the physical realm. Okay, so he's keeping it 
a little bit spiritual, but very mental. He says, faith is a state of mind. It's the belief. Okay. So that's why my next point to kind of translate this well, for them. So not to give myself yeah. credit, but okay. the, the, you know, essentially the way my brain worked that in that point over the last two decades was essentially, uh, you know, we're spiritual beings in a physical incarnation. Yes. I mean, that's Perfect. my condensement of that very point and which is in our book. And that really is what it is. We're spiritual entities in a physical incarnation. And as physical, in, uh, as being in a physical incarnation, you need stuff. You need clothes, shoes, food. That's you the need, goals. That's the goals, right? You need things. You need to surround yourself with things to basically protect you from the environment or just to make it so you can survive. You need an iPhone or whatever, right? Um, and you might as well, if you have the ability to, which all of you have the ability to, obviously, you might as well make all those things the nicest things that they could possibly be and not be conflict and not be confused about that. So if you're a spiritual being, which all of us are, and if you're in a physical, you know, manifestation incarnation, you, which you are, then you might as well basically surround yourself with the nicest stuff that you can possibly have. The way you're going to obtain that nice stuff is by being of service to other people. The more people you're of service to, the more stuff you're going to be able to surround yourself with and the more comfort and the more security and ultimately the more freedom you're going to be able to have too. I mean, That's right. That so thus will materialize through our actions in the physical realm. He's not passive at all about this stuff. Mm -mm. Okay. So uh, my mini point was what level of belief do you hold that your pursuits will equal results? That's what he's talking about here. Apply this in every aspect of your business. I had a couple of examples after uh, Henry Ford quote, whether you believe you will or believe you won't, you're right. Okay. That's talking about do you believe that your desire, plan, and purpose will materialize through your action? Yes or no? So for example, do you believe that you'll win that listing appointment? Do you believe you'll set appointments for your lead follow-up or are you just getting through it? And you hear people say that, I gotta get through my lead follow-up. Yep. Well, that doesn't have very definiteness of purpose, does it? But so let's break down what you just said because it's important that people understand in no way will you ever have passion for your freaking lead follow-up, right? <laughs> You're always gonna hate it. You're always gonna have other things you can choose to do, right? But the bottom line is, is you do it anyway. That's where our saying of do what you don't want to do when you don't want to do it at the highest level. That's a Tim and Julie original. I'll say it again. If you want ever increasing levels of success in all areas of your life, master the art and science of doing what you don't want to do when you don't want to do it at the highest level, which means that most of your time as you're earning the right to be financially free by helping other people, you're going to have to probably spend 90 to 95% of your time doing what you don't want to do when you don't want to do it at the highest level, which means you're going to have to develop the skill set to do all those things. And as you accumulate more financial freedom through the form of wealth, then you're actually going to be able to you know, change that ratio from a 90-10, 90% of doing what you don't want to do to a 10% you know, doing what you want to do as you become more free through more wealth and passive sources of income, like we talked about yesterday, mm -hmm. then you're actually going to be able to then pivot that or change that, change that ratio. ratio to 50% doing what you don't want to do when you don't want to do it at the highest level, 50% doing what you want to do. And as you get even more financially independent and more free, you can actually ratchet that back to 90% of doing what you don't want to do when you don't want to do it at the highest level um, of only 10% of the time. And 90% doing what you want to do when you want to do it, with whom you want to do it, at whatever mm -hmm. the hell level you want to do it at. Yes. Right. But you have to earn that. That's the doing it at the highest level. That's right. what Napoleon's talking about here is that 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 belief that you are going to win, that you're going to create the results through your action. I'm not talking about just meditating on it. I'm talking about creating the skill that your, makes it so your actions pay off. Now, look at this mindset. If <laughs> that's funny, if you cannot have that belief because perhaps every listing you've gone on, you haven't won or, you know, you've been the runner up. 
Why is that? That means that you can't really believe right now that you are going to win. That tells you what you've got to do. You've got to take action. You've got to fix that because you can't continue going through life without having that belief considering what you do for a living. So let's break that point down because it's, that's still a little bit too spiritual, touchy-fuzzy yeah. for me, okay? So what Julie just said, it, okay, it starts with the belief, but I believe it, Julie, but I'm still not getting it. It's because what's happening is there's a difference between saying you believe it and having it manifest, for example. Like having it, man, there, there's another touchy-feely word oh, that yeah. I, I, I didn't, what is that noise? <laughs> I have no idea. Oh, it's your printer. I think your printer has gas. Wow. Okay. <laughs> That's a new one. <laughs> you know, they couldn't hear it probably. Okay. But in any event, what happens is, is if you actually are working on, even just you haven't actually gotten to the point where you have 100% certainty of your ability to accomplish a goal, but you're in pursuit of said goal, people are going to be able to read that on you. Mm -hmm. They're going to they're gonna see it manifesting through energy and enthusiasm. They're going to see it manifesting through your ability to ask questions, not just talking about yourself, your sincere ability to listen, to make sure you're not just telling what you want to say, but you're actually listening to what their concerns are and you're learning about how to help them with their particular challenges. And that comes from, it's a combination of things. And usually for most people, it's 90% skills-based. For example, when you have a pre-listing pack, when you know how to pre-qualify, when you go on a listing appointment knowing what to say and how to say it, when you walk in there and you have an actual step-by-step, -step, you know, seven-step listing process, which we obviously teach you as part of our coaching program, you're going to walk into that house and you're going to have a... You're st if, it's, if you're just getting uh, getting good at listings, you're still going to have anxiety, but at least you've got a plan to fall back on. And then because you have the building confidence of having that plan and you know that plan works, then the thing that comes in after that is you're going to then be able to start having more energy and enthusiasm. You're going to be more engaged and less thinking about yourself because you know you your confidence. you're going to have training to fall back on, right? Yep. It's muscle memory at that point. As you progress in your learning and your experience, then it becomes un it becomes conscious competence where you don't have to mm -hmm. think about what you're going to say or how you're going to say it. What you do and how you do it is masterful. But it took work. It did, it, and it takes time. It does. And it really, it depends on you too. What most people do is they stop and start, stop and start. Like, mm -hmm. you know, it's funny as I was just talking about the seven-step listing process. Mm -hmm. this, is, this happens probably 10 times a month. Mm -hmm. Julie, Tim, I'm in a panic. I just set my first listing appointment. I have right. no pre-listing pack. Yeah. It's like, how long ago did we tell you to actually prepare ahead of time? A yeah. year, 10 years, you know, two days? Since it doesn't before matter. Before you got your license. Yeah. Right, exactly. And now you, all these agents are, you know, they'll rush to the- What do I do? And of course, you don't have enough time to get your act together. You should have prepared ahead of time. Yeah, this is what we're telling Proper you about. previous planning prevents pitifully poor performance. Just yes. saying, the seven Ps, there's right. that. Exactly. So there you go, guys. That yeah, but is it's fixable. Everything we're talking about, you can you can do something about, and none of it is out of your wheelhouse. But don't wait. We're giving you the tools. That's right. So, Guys, and remember, if you are ready to move forward and be, uh, join Julie and I and partner with us at eXp Realty, of course, we'd love to talk with you about that. Just text me directly at 512-758-0206, 512-758-0206. We would love to share with you why we and, frankly, thousands of other agents are moving over to eXp every single month. It really is, once you realize the financial opportunity and, frankly, the business opportunity, and really, you know, there's also the community, the, the people you're going to meet. Uh, at EXP who are also essentially on the same mission, it really will seem like a hand in glove as far as moving over. But I'd love to talk with you about that. Text me directly at 512-758-0206. In the meantime, we'll talk with you on the show tomorrow. And Julie, this was indeed a good topic. Thank you.
This program has been a presentation by Tim and Julie Harris, Real Estate Coaching. For more information on our real estate coaching and training programs, visit our website at timandjulieharris.com. Remember to tune in weekdays at noon for upcoming shows. And until next time, thank you for listening to Real Estate Coaching Radio with Tim and Julie Harris. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.